Hello, my forward-thinking and open-minded tribe, and welcome to Rewoke, Rewriting Our Kids Education Podcast. My name is Michelle Person, and we are on a journey to change the face of education. We are rethinking, re-examining, and re-educating ourselves and our children. On this show, we work hard to educate ourselves about all things so we can make informed, independent decisions about what is best for us and our lives and the lives of our children. We have pulled the curtain back and dug into some topics that challenge firmly held belief systems and that require a new way of thinking. We've talked about mental health, how we approach the food we eat, and even spirituality. Now, what kind of guy would I be if I didn't take time to explore one of the most controversial ideas slowly creeping across this great country of ours, the legalization of marijuana? Even though nearly two-thirds of Americans say marijuana should be legalized for at least medicinal purposes, recreational use is only legal in 19 states. Now, there are so many aspects of this topic to explore. Is it habit-forming? Are there long-lasting effects? Does it lead to harder drugs? But the one that I personally care about, and honestly, it's because I believe the answers to all those other questions is no, is how much money is there to be made off of the legalization? And the answer is a lot. In 2022, states where marijuana is legal reported a combined total of $11.2 billion in tax revenue. For me, the more important question has become, How does one enter this industry and how do we as a people use this new industry to undo some of the harm that has been perpetrated onto our communities now that states are recognizing that possessing, growing, selling, and using marijuana does not make one a criminal? And oh yeah, are you woke? ACLU, despite roughly equal usage, Blacks are 3.7 times more likely than whites to be arrested for marijuana. So legalization should be a good thing, right? We'll stop getting arrested and possibly be afforded an opportunity to work in an industry that we know just as much about as our white counterparts. Wrong. It can cost anywhere from $100,000 to $300,000 just to launch a store. Additionally, Remember how we were arrested 3.7 more times than our white counterparts? Even if we could come up with a capital, having a police record, ironically sometimes for selling marijuana, can exclude you from getting a license. Talk about the irony. Our guest today is Nicole Ross, and she is the owner of Neuralabs, a minority-owned, woman-led, licensed medical marijuana processor and manufacturer, and she knows all too well about the barriers keeping us from cashing in on this new gold rush, and she has some tips on how we can snag our piece of the pie before it's all gone. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to hear about everything you know about the cannabis industry. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm excited to share my knowledge and insight on the cannabis market here in Ohio. Awesome. All right. We want, there are so many questions that I have, but I'm going to start with how did you end up in, in this industry to begin with? I mean, like you are, you are like a unicorn. You are a female, you are a black woman, you are in Ohio, 
and not you're not where the most of the um where the, the the almost the hub in Ohio. I think we talked a little bit off camera is in Cleveland. You're in Southern Ohio. You're down here in Dayton. Um, and so I mean, like on on every level, location, gender, race, you are not supposed to be where you are. So I want I want to I want you to talk to people about how you got to where you are right now. Oh well, you know, ten years go by fast in a market that is growing so. You know, consistently, um, I started working in the cannabis industry uh, back in California when I lived out there, more so pursuing the music avenue of my of my life in my twenties. <laughs> so, in California, there was a medical program that allowed me to understand cannabis in a whole different perspective. Being from Ohio, it wasn't something that was readily around my family or my community personally that I grew up in. So, um, you know, I knew people who consumed, but it wasn't something that I had direct interest in. You know, there were students in school that, you know, got involved, but it was just was, was still not a part of my environment personally. Um, so when I moved to California, I got a whole different perspective of cannabis professionals, the usage of it um, from a light of that this is a medicine as well as something that can help with a lot of other things outside of just the consumption and the use of some medicinal avenue. And it just opened my eyes to why it chose me versus me choosing it. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I didn't understand where I would be in cannabis, um, being in California, um, and like I said, pursuing other things as far as music. Um, I then met um, a business partner at the time to, who was infusing food as far as just doing high-end catering. And then one day we came together with an idea like this abuse um, foods with medicinal cannabis to be able to help patients who don't want traditional chocolate sweets and all those other different things that you may see in most traditional uh, cannabis markets. So from putting that collaboration together and getting into the restaurant business, um, I learned what the cannabis industry meant from a legalization perspective, um, getting you know distribution licenses to do certain things, but then also operating like okay we're trial and testing and learning so you know that gray area is something that a lot of people have to kind of do personally until they learn that it's best to do it legal and in the right way and that's when we started to work with different attorneys to see how we can get involved in the cannabis space i came back home and really started to understand business from my father and which taught me a lot of discipline and structure and systems and how to actually run a business. He's been in business for 30 years in, in Ohio. So coming home and being a part of an entrepreneur family kind of gave me that purpose here in Dayton. As you said, you know, entrepreneurship is something that, um, you know, you see done in bigger cities. So Dayton at the time had a lot of manufacturing that was, you know, invested in when it comes to the automotive industry. And that's where he got his start and his legs at in the warehouse business. So with us having the opportunities to, already know and understand manufacturing uh, when i came home and recognized the opportunities here in ohio it made sense to look into the manufacturing side and that's one thing that people don't understand they only usually see the brand or they only usually see the sales side but they rarely see the side that produces the product and that's something that um, piqued our interest in since i've already kind of was doing it in california in the kitchen learning the systems from that it just made sense to transition it to more of a um, more of a production and manufacturing because the products that we're making is the same products that you see in, in brands today. 
and that taught me a long lesson to what I'm doing right now and how I met you <laughs> in the space and um, how I met all my partners who I'm working with um, and taking and, and seeing things from a different light now. Um, I got involved because um, I just wanted to learn and also wanted to be a part of something that, again, chose me and also to do a responsibility for the community that has been largely impacted, as you said at the beginning, being a black woman, being um, a minority, being in the you know small city that doesn't have the awareness of a lot of larger business um, opportunities kind of um, had to do it from the grassroots and had to do it from the core. And, um, you know, coming together with my family and just being a family-owned business created a lot of blessings to be able to learn things together, be able to take on some challenges that we never thought could be um, imaginable. Like you said, as a, being a, a, a unicorn in this space, you have to kind of think like a unicorn because you don't have no template around you to, right, <laughs> to work right. So just so I'm clear, like you, you, but I heard in that story was pivot after pivot after pivot, right? So um, it, it's important, my listeners, I want you to understand that she, she never even intended to be in this industry. Like, or she has, she has a whole, a whole nother podcast in here about what you were doing in California with music that, um, that we can't even touch on this particular podcast, um, this episode. So you went with, with something completely different in mind. You were open, you learned something, but you were learning on the um, the edible side you were talking like the, the side that honestly I think most people are most familiar with when you start talking about medicinal cannabis when you, or marijuana just in general that people understand that they understand the edibles they understand that what they don't understand is the the, the whole creation part which is where your second pivot was um, to right. go from you know being in the kitchen learning the recipes to being like you know what oh, I'm going to go to the warehouse side and learn about the distribution the packing and all of that um, so yeah. I, I, the, the, the nugget that I'm taking is like, be ready to pivot. Um, I'm finding that all like, you know, you wear the, the, um, uh, and, and as, as this is the season I've talked about on the show, uh, the, the school that I opened this, um, this year, uh, we have pivoted yeah. and, and changed our model this year alone, probably at least three times, you know, because yes. you have to <laughs> your market. Yeah, be willing to evolve. Yep. Yes. And you have to be willing to evolve. And so I completely recognize that. So would it Absolutely. be, would it be a, uh, uh, um, an accurate, um, summary to say that um, currently, right now, Neurolabs, you work 100% in the, um, the, di- the, the manufacturing, the, the extraction side of things. And that's what, that's what Neurolabs is focused on right now. Is that because that, that is where you have landed today. That's the, yes. that's the part of your journey that we have, have met you on today. Yes, and that is accurate. You know, um, didn't know what manufacturing would mean when we landed here, um, but we knew that it was the production, it was the process of producing and making something and again it's just you know our learning curve of not understanding how products are made even outside of the cannabis industry you know minorities are zero to less than one percent of any manufacturing industry that actually builds or creates the actual thing i always say we're used to being the fruit and not the seed Mm -hmm. so we don't understand yes your seed is that vision what you implant but then the growth the roots that takes from that to actually produce something of that is something that we are not a part of from a business um, collective uh, when it comes down to building planes, when it comes down to um, cars, or when it comes down to food production. Mm-hmm. Um, we're used to being the brand and the product, but not who actually makes what people yeah. see as brands. Absolutely. And that's where I'm still learning. And you, know, you ask people, like, where are people um, 
what do people understand about our company? People still think we're dispensary. Um, and that's not a, you know, it's not a bad thing because it is a part of the main, it is a part of the supply chain when it mm-hmm. comes down to how the licenses are structured across the state. So usually where people see the brands, they buy it, but then there's the parts that's behind the buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we are part of the supply chain, meaning that we make the oils from the cultivation that has been grown in the state of Ohio because everything is regulated in Ohio. I can't buy from another state and produce here. I can't sell to another state. I have to do everything regulated in this market here in Ohio. So when it comes down to the growth and what I had to learn is how do you operate legally in a market that's only restricted to those around you? Um, and then also having, having to understand how to explain what we are and what we do. Because even when we won the license, it, you know, you would think like, oh, yeah, we won. It's time to go ahead and get it in. It's going to be simple. It's going to be easy. No, I had to do a lot of education and a lot of um, learning for myself to even understand the criteria is the means to actually own a laboratory. So um, I'm so glad you said all of that. And I have so many questions. And, and, and so the first question is like, as I was listening to you talk about all the things that you, um, that you have learned and all the things that like the biggest misconception is that you have to still explain to people like what you do and that it's not the very, what everybody thinks of, which is like, we just consume it, right? Like there's so many aspects of the, of the, of the, of the industry that, that go beyond far above and beyond just the consumption. And so my, my question is what are the most common um, misconceptions about the industry that you wish people understood or knew? And then you also were talking about, and I was saying this only right now, because if I don't, I'll forget is um, the, the, the lack of diversity, women, minorities, the fact that our communities were disproportionately affected, um, you know, by the war on drugs. And we were, are, it's, we are, they, they criminalize us like three times more than, you know, your average white counterparts. How, how, how are you, from where you sit, able to um, address that piece? Like, for, what, what, the lack of diversity, is, is there a lack of diversity issue in the industry? And how do you see it being addressed? Is there more that can be done? All these questions, I'm just putting them out there so I don't forget them. But the first one was, what are the common misconceptions um, that you wish people knew um, about the industry? That is less than 4%, you know, in the market that actually own like actual operating license. Uh, we wouldn't have an industry to support if it wasn't for products being made to be an industry. So we didn't have the growers, we didn't have producers, and we didn't have retail where it sells what's being grown, what's being produced. Uh, we wouldn't have an industry. So um, so only 4% is is focused on the consumables. The rest of the industry is is production that the that minorities own in the actual cannabis. Oh, industry. okay, I got you. So okay. that only four percent minority. Um, and then what does that mean? Because a lot of people think like, oh, I want to get involved in the cannabis industry, but the understanding of what involvement that is is the is the understanding that we have to open ourselves up to. Um, everybody isn't meant and built to you know have the operation and production. That's fine, but there's other parts of the industry that has to support that industry. So the ancillaries are equally as important. But that number is is consumable of the entire cannabis market. So that's hemp, that's ancillary, that's operation. What I was referring to um, was that if there isn't cultivation, if there isn't manufacturing or processing, there isn't retail. You don't have a product to sell. You know, so in order to be able to understand that dynamic of what that 4% is, there's less than 4% of us that actually own 
the manufacturing, the cultivation to be able to produce and manufacture products for an industry to be able to become one. So when it comes down to dissecting the real numbers and understanding the real components of how the supply chain works is that we are less involved in the supply chain in order to create the products that's being consumed or sold. So having an understanding of what that supply chain means, what does agriculture mean, what does manufacturing mean, what does these different sciences um, to be able to get to understand how do we open up in the federally illegal industry um, so we can do more thorough research so we can have more opportunities to evolve medicine in the way in a holistic practice that we less likely see in our communities and in, gen in general in cannabis industry. And once you understand that A, we only own 4%, we're only a part of 4%. Mm -hmm. and less than 4%. Not even own 4%. Not, not even own 4%. <laughs> we are involved in less than 4% of the industry at that level. Um, and then the fact that, I mean, I read that it is a billion when, when the, 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 um, the, the states that have legalized it, I, I mentioned this in my intro, um, you know, those states have reported, you know, grand totals of billions of dollars in taxes being generated, um, from, from this industry. So it is a billion dollar industry, but again, not only are we not in it, um, there, there are so many, and again, the, the parts, the parts of it that we we're not even recognizing that there are opportunities. Like the, you mentioned the ancillary, everybody right. wants to focus on just one aspect. The ancillary products are, um, are, are huge. And I love what you said. We, we are not necessarily as a people in a position to be able to be in the, the manufacturing um, and production side. It's an issue. But in this moment where this thing is exploding, I, I think my, my question is, well, how do we get in at all on the other things and make sure that there is diversity so that we're not completely set out, um, closed out of what is really be what is really right now. We're in the middle of the, the this generation's gold rush. So you being very a, a very prominent figure in the industry here in Ohio, um, the lack of diversity, how how is it being addressed in the industry um, from where you sit? How much of an issue is it? Um, and, and what can we be doing? You've mentioned the activism in the industry about the rights. Is there activism to include the disenfranchised populations that have historically been kept out of things like this? Where What's what's going on in the industry with diversity? Yes, education is key to it. And I know it sounds so cliche, you know, because, you, you know, but it's also too about how you educate yourself on the truth of what's taking place. Um, again, it's not just our industry that is affected by our knowledge of economics. It's not an equity issue. It's an economics issue because when you own a business, you're equitable. You know, you that's something that you choose to give away to be able to earn, earn economics to actually grow your entity. Um, so when you understand that we have to build other resources around our economics and that we are valued, you know, we shouldn't have to always sell or give it away in order to be able to have and obtain. We got to be able to sustain. Sustainability is key. And if we're not looking at ourselves as diverse, we're going against the grain. So we are a diverse company because we do represent those those outlets to be able to do it. But now we need resources to be able to support it. So if we're coming in behind the eight ball, how how is that how is that um how is that diversity issue being addressed? We know we're coming in behind the eight ball, and we still want to be a part. How how are yeah. how are how are how is the industry addressing the lack of diversity, or are they not? Are they are they not addressing it at all? It's, it's, it's being addressed. Um, I mean, there are social equity groups that are working to uh, make sure we're equitable. But like I was saying, it's an economic thing. We have to grow ourselves and capital and resources to sustain. You know, if we don't have those sustainabilities, we don't have equity to keep or 
to be able to continue to operate and run business in this market. So we got to figure out those parts. Um, you know, I would love to be like, yeah, invest in me, but that, I might not be the right investment for everybody or, you know, the right brand, but there are other brands and black owned businesses that can be, you know, and how do we create a network and a supply chain that we're also able to compete? Look, I might, I don't have an issue with working with all people and all types of people. I'm just asking as a minority company, a black woman, that I get the same rights to be able to do business just like you are able to do it. I can do it with you, do it with me, just like I do business with you. We go and buy every piece of clothing that we see on our bodies. You know, um, it's not just, you, yeah, you might buy a like brand, but then you go down to the deeper level. It's like, well, who produces this black brand? Who manufactured this thing? Um, and then those are the things that I do a lot of my research on because it's not against any black brands. It's amazing that we have black brands because that's still part of the supply chain that we have to support. And that's the economics that we have to continue to grow so we can build residual and sustainable capital. Um, and then when it goes down to doing business, it's like, okay, well, how about if there is a black manufacturer who does clothing, how about we find those as black brands to say, let's put economics into the supply chain that it goes down to the group. So then those supply chains can now have sustainability because there's black people who create packaging. There's people, you know, so like, how do we continue to build that and have revenues? And it doesn't just have to be black to black working. You say, use me as an opportunity because I'm a manufacturer that produces to be able to create your brand and products because I want to be able to compete in markets just like everybody else. If 200 of us in five of us are minority if the other 195 can work together why can't the mm-hmm. five what i what i'm hearing is it's like for listeners what i hope you heard or what i'm taking away is um in order for us to be able to diversify the industry we first need to understand how the, how industry in general works so that we can create the foundation um exactly. so that the people who are in the industry are able to flourish and and that yeah. doesn't come so and that comes from understanding economics and how and, and like understanding that we need our own banks and understanding that we need our own um uh, you know micro lending infrastructures and, and we need in order to be able to sustain so that we can compete exactly all the difference in the world um my I, so my, my last one there are people who are like probably just who are like i want to get in this i want to know more like what what is your advice to somebody who's now a veteran in the business um what is what advice do you have for someone wanting to enter the industry um just be in contact with our with with the resources that's around you you know again having more of these conversations um having time to put aside and say, what do I want to see myself in this space? You know, it's so many, you know, it's so many opportunities and it's hard to focus on one because when you address one, there's a whole slew of things to address around it. So really identifying what do I want to do to become in this space? I didn't, like I said, cannabis chose me, so I didn't know I would be owning a manufacturing (laughs) producing um, oils in it. But as I started to learn, I understand my why. Um, so with my why, understanding what I wanted to do, it helped me create a path that allowed me to see more so I can do more, you know, and now that I understand more, I'm understand what I want to create as far as the impact. So as others are coming on board, we can say, how do we co-create, you know, how do we find a path for you that fits in your why, you know, um, because my why may not be your why, but first, you know, in order for us to work together, we have to understand where those come to. 
And so there's um, definitely outreach things that we're doing. We're doing community service like we did at a statewide expungement clinic earlier this year that you were able to come to Cleveland and be a part of some of the pieces for. Um, and then we are um, doing other just general outreach. We did the Midwest Cannabis. Um, that was an opportunity for people to come and understand what careers are in the cannabis space, not just only with our labs, but what type of tangible products are in the medical marijuana control program and how you can get involved in just learning the resources. Some, you know, I had friends who came in like, I didn't even understand that there was that many products in this, in this program or in this market. I didn't even understand the variety. I didn't know there was patches and tinctures and, you know, um, capsules and bait, just so many different varieties. So it's really taking the time to understand what you want to learn in it, you know, cause I can't, I can't teach you it all in one setting, you know? <laughs> um, and you know, and I, and just like me, I had to equip myself just like in your industry, you had to equip yourself with the knowledge and the understanding of what you wanted to do before you got into it to some degree. Right. Um, so, um, making sure that you just take on that, 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 that knowledge, you know, we are in the 20, you know, 2022, where we are accessible to resources. Um, so there's out, there's resources out there. How much does it cost to start an LLC? You know, even from that point, knowing those basic things and understanding those resources, so many resources in Dayton, um, like, um, that is now available to people to understand just basic business and, um, things to help your business. Like I, I used to get in contact with score and I used to, you know, now there's, um, the, the, the Dayton um, launch or launch, oh, launch Dayton. Dayton. Yeah, I love them. Yep, mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of different things that people can get involved in. So taking those resources and utilizing them, not just sending on the resources that you have, getting active. I'm in active and engagement points in time right now. You got to show me you're active. You, you know, you got to show me your interests. You got to, you know, because that's that's value that's investment that's appreciation if i appreciate what you're doing based off of how i take in the information that i want to learn and show in that then that shows that investment is who why i want to appreciate you and then invest into what you're doing and vice versa so i think it's just a lot of just that education that we got to take on from a different perspective it doesn't have to be from my mouth but even from the, your own learning um and then we can get into places of now we can be very direct and deliberate and intentional, you know, saying, okay, you know who you are, you know what you're coming with, you know your resources. And a lot of skills can be transferable, you know, um, as well. You know, if you have one skill, you can also transfer and, 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 and gather other things that help you become better at what you've done before and also a new things that you haven't done right. in this industry. The beautiful thing about being in cannabis is like there's never a stop to the resources that you have available to help you learn and grow into something else. Um, so. Um, and we are now that we have products on the market, you know, let's get legal. We have made a billion dollars in Ohio with 150,000 patients. Wow. And we're a state of 11 million, you know, so there's growth around the whole industry. There's 70 new licenses coming in the dispensary market where, um, for us as, as manufacturers, we're able to produce products, not just for 58 stores, but now 130 stores across the state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. So that gives us opportunities to grow and more careers and more opportunities there in the manufacturing space. But then also too, there's other companies that's growing with cultivation. Um, they're expanding their footprints in the agricultural and the sciences in, in that career space opportunity. So there's, there's a lot so going do your research. <laughs> like do your research and figure out where you're trying to go. Because to just say you want in, 
you have to know where this is like a double, like you have to know where to jump <laughs> in. So that, like, I love it. So if anybody is listening, especially those in the Dayton area and they are interested in reaching out to Neural Labs, either to learn more about the job opportunities or like they, maybe there's a, a, a someone who's like, oh, I want to partner with them because I have a word space. Whatever. If anybody's out here listening, how do they get in contact with you, Nicole? So they can get in contact with us in a couple ways. Um, they can also reach out to us on the website at www.nohralabs.net. Net. Um, that's you, that's where you can come and actually, you know, look at our landing page, just do a general contact. Um, and it's also part, um, you know, whether you can reach out to our, our direct team or you can email me directly. I'll give out my email. It's Nicole.Ross. So N-I-C-K-O-L-E dot R-O-S-S at N-O-O. H-R-A-L-A-B-S dot com. And then I'll be able to help direct you to what we're doing. It's people of our team who are who does our outreach and who does those type of resource and commitments and communications because we are hiring, um, as we talked about earlier, you know, and we're excited to be able to welcome our new team as we're learning the next stages. We wouldn't be uh, able to do this without a dynamic team. My father, my sister, my mother, and then our team in general, um, our partners that we're working with, our investors in, you know, our community, because, you know, we did this grassroots, we raised every dollar, no VC, no, no BC. We wanted to maintain our equity in our space as a as a collective, so we can continue to empower and grow each other and help see those resources become fruit, um, see those resources become abundant. We thank you so much for coming and, and talking to us about this very misunderstood, very mysterious uh, industry. <laughs> I, I hope listeners that you got a lot out of it, and um, yeah, I, we I appreciate your time. So we are uh, partner. We are. We got partners. We got um, products on the market. We just launched our MKX brand. Yeah, in in Ohio, we have products in um, Dayton, Beaver Creek. We have it in Columbus, and we're working in the Cleveland market as well. So we have gummies that's available 100 milligrams, and we'll go into a whole other conversation about that. But we're excited about having products available that people can actually consume the medicine that we're making for brands that we believe in so awesome we're excited. awesome so you guys check them out neurolabs.com i'm going to put all the contact information in the um in the description box and then um and so you guys can see and read and learn more thank you so much for being with us this morning it's been a blessing thank you so much michelle for having me today absolutely do your research be ready to pivot and then check out the opportunities around you of which neurolabs is one I want to thank my guest, Nicole Ross, for taking the time to speak with us today. Show notes, resources, and links to the things we mentioned are available on our website at www.justlikemepresents.com. Make sure you hit subscribe and share this podcast with other parents and educators in your circle. And if you don't mind, leave us a review. Reviews help other people find our show and begin their woke journey. Thanks for listening. And remember, if our children can see it, they can achieve it.